How does the activist land the corporate dollars to make change? How does the child leave a movement? Hello Greta, anyone. And how did the millennial convince the boomer? What do these situations have in common? They had make or break moments where influence was created and light bulbs went off. I'm Rebecca Nedelik, and this is Nuance of Impact, a podcast to get lost in the stories of those making change. Together, we'll chat, learn, and ponder the nuanced make-or-break moments that make social impact so impactful. Hello. Today, I'm joined by the fab founders of Yamma Vans, Pat Bruns and Alex Welsh. The adventure outdoor lifestyle company founders are a match made in heaven, in business and in life. Yes, they're not only running a business together, but they're getting hitched as well. These two have built a business on a vision to empower people to live their wildest adventures. Adventure where design and function are not compromised. These babies aren't just vans, they're your dream home on wheels. But today, we're taking the spotlight off the van avant-garde to talk about the nuances that keep Pat and Alex focused on their vision and, yes, their impact. Good morning. It may not be morning wherever you are, but for Pat, Alex, and I, it is Saturday morning, and we're sitting down with a morning coffee. Cheers, guys. Guys, how are you doing this morning? Super good. Excellent. Yeah, yeah how's the coffee? It's delicious. Thank you. <laughs> I wish we were in person. I know, me too. I'll confess, um, I'll confess now, but these guys already know because we had a, a little bit of a preamble before we started today, but I'm sitting on my bed because it's Saturday morning. I've decided that that's okay. Um, these pillows are in the background, but because Pat and Alex own Yamma, and, which is an adventure van company, I tried to keep the outdoor vibe here with this beautiful mountain photo um which i love it was birthday presents very exciting so um yeah. thanks for putting up for the with the casualness it looks really good i appreciate the uh, the mountain theme all right so you guys have been you guys are engaged mm -hmm. how long have you been together again be six years in december half of that has been engaged mm -hmm. by that point like it'll be three years engaged this oh. october yeah wow that's really yeah. awesome yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when are you getting married? Uh, November 6th this year. Ooh. Pending no like COVID ruining our wedding situations, but we'll roll with it. Do you guys think you'll get, do you guys think you'll still get married if COVID like shuts down the wedding? Yeah, I think we'd probably elope in that case. I'd be that disappointed either. Like I feel like that would be equally as sweet. Yeah, I think we like secretly kind of wanted to elope. So yeah. we might be like, oh well. Yeah. Why, why, why elopement? Because I feel like elopement is like a trendy, exciting thing right now. But at what point would it just be like a nice date night? Like we're pretty private people. Even the thought of like our wedding only is gonna have about 60 people. Even the thought of like standing up there saying all those like vulnerable personal things to each other in front of 60 people is like, it, freaks me out I know I'm going to be super nervous so I think the elopement piece is just like appealing because it's just us and maybe like a couple of our closest people and it's just more intimate it, I, I don't know yeah. so you guys are private people then like how does that I mean we're on a podcast right now and obviously we've talked to you guys have done this before being private people is it weird being on in these conversations where people are like asking you personal questions about yourself I'd say, and then you can join in as well. I'd say for myself, and I think for Pat too, it's like, I think it's been a hard adjustment for us to talk about ourselves and brag about ourselves. And I think as business owners, we really have a hard time with that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we tend to be like pretty typically humble people who don't want to be like too boastful or anything like that. So I think it has been hard to really like pump our tires and be like, you know, give Yama the the proper light that it deserves um, as being a really cool adventure brand company. Like, I think we've had to work on that for sure. And doing these types of uh, interviews and um, chats with people has helped, helped get better at that. What do you think? For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. It also, for me at least, helps to clarify things about the company and about our path and our reasoning because people ask us great questions and they're questions that, for me at least, I don't spend a lot of time reflecting on without having it being asked them. So I think for me, it's really almost therapeutic to talk about these things because I kind of unravel what's going on in my mind as I'm talking about them. Yeah. Um, we don't take a lot of time to just sit down and talk about those things day to day. busy and stuff. So I think it's a really good time to just sit, talk about some things you don't typically talk about over a coffee with someone else kind of directing the conversation. It's been really helpful for me. How good would it be if there was like business therapists not like coaches or consultants, but like a therapist. That's be a I would do that job, right? I would do that job. I feel like you're kind of doing it. I feel like hosts kind of do that. Yeah. Like yeah, maybe true. it's not as direct, but I think that you could probably direct it a little more towards that area if you want. I think we could use one. Business I'm here. <laughs> I'm here for you. You guys need a business therapist? I'm here. I'm not going to pay you $200 an hour. <laughs> no, it's cool. I... I think I would just do it for fun. I don't think I would do it. I feel like it, sometimes, okay, and we can talk about this too. I feel like sometimes when, when the money piece comes into it as well, maybe this is why I like completely failed as an entrepreneur in my own. But I feel like sometimes when you start charging money for it, it becomes a lot harder to like really pull the passion and, and fulfillment out of. To be honest, this might be maybe, <laughs> at least for Yama, like, we really tried to kind of bootstrap everything. So that includes me not paying myself for the first two years we started this company. Mm. I don't plan to until middle of this year, which is two and a half years in almost. Mm. Um, so for us, the money piece hasn't really been a thing yet um, in that sense, on the personal income side, at least mm-hmm. um, in terms of like money and financial decisions for the company, like that's something we're kind of used to doing, but but yeah, the money piece hasn't really been a big factor in terms of income because um, we've been kind of keeping everything in the company and I've been trying to bootstrap like my personal life too to make sure we can still keep the business through the chasm and, and survive and mm-hmm. make so. Do you yeah. think that you've been able to sort of not pay yourself right off the bat? You've been able to sort of keep, keep that vision for where you're trying to go? I think because having worked with a bunch of entrepreneurs um, in my previous role, Um, there's definitely a difference between entrepreneurs who try to jump into their business full-time right away, uh, people who do it as a side hustle, and then people who are in a situation kind of like ours, which I think is the most sort of ideal situation in that I work full-time, I can support our household, Mm -hmm. and that allows Pat to focus full-time on the business while we are not removing money from the business. So Mm -hmm. I think is kind of like the most optimal situation that you can be in of the three because when I see people jump into their business full-time right away they do make those decisions like out of desperation right they can't make as sound decisions because they're they're constantly worrying about like when is that next paycheck going to come how am I going to cover my bills stuff like that right my role in this relationship with the business and us um, there's like that kind of burning sense of discomfort and almost like urgency 
So not that it, I need the fuel, but it does kind of pour fuel more on the fire for me because one, it's kind of a weird position to be in where I'm not helping pay the bills directly. Like I do pay for half the bills of the home, but through my savings, which is like not the best scenario, but I've kind of planned it accordingly for two, three years. But being in a position where we don't pay me from the company yet, it allows me to um, stay very focused and not get very comfortable. Um, if I had a job in one or two weeks, I wouldn't feel that burn to continue to grow and make sure we cross that chasm comfortably. So mm-hmm. it is valuable, I think. It is. And I think at this stage of the business, it's just so critically important to put all that money back into the business. You know, like I think sure. we don't have a lot of like discretionary income in the business that we could be like spending on our- ourselves, right? We need to like put it back into marketing. We need to put it back into like developing our processes and, and looking at growth. So well, and, like the priority, at least in our minds is our, is our guys, like mm-hmm. our guys checks would come way before we'd ever pay myself a dollar. We take the perspective of like the product and the people are way before the profit. That's the approach we take. Oh, so, and sorry, how long has Yama been around? Like how long have you guys been doing this? Mm, about two years now. But it kind of feels like a year because we sort of had a model shift in the middle there. So for the first year we did rental only and then to custom conversions. And so we've been doing custom conversions since September. Or- we started like building the first custom one in like September. Yeah. But yeah. we've started like really marketing and focusing on custom conversions since last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so but yeah. Yeah. So it's been less than a year on that side of things. Yeah. And we're actually like moving the rental side of the business out um, and just going to be focusing on the custom conversion. So, so mm. about two years, but what, what's made you guys make that switch to moving to conversions? There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. Like the rental was the idea from the beginning. And just to summarize quickly, the rental was the idea is to build a few of these things, these like beautiful off grid four by four overlanding vehicles. That would be the ultimate mountain getaway vehicle for people to come take a cruise around the mountains, go on ski trips, whatever it is. Um, typically our guests were from the U S or from overseas. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, we really enjoyed the process of building our own units to, to rent. And so we thought that that was maybe more aligned with our skills and our passion was to help design these things custom to what the client needs. And so we've naturally got a lot of inquiries about conversions before we even thought about it mm-hmm. just because of our designs. And so uh, we kind of thought about it more and more, built a bit of a model and said, look, let's, let's take a crack at this and try it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of boomed since then. And it's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the big reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the decision to move away from rentals um, at this point, we're small, we're still a small and growing company. So I think, we kind of decided it was important to focus in one direction for now. Like it's not to say that we wouldn't bring rentals back into the mix at some point, because I do think there is definitely a market there for mm-hmm. van rental. Um, but it's really hard to do both super well. And we're just not willing to compromise like on our quality and um, the way we represent our brand. So I think at this point we'd like to, develop the custom conversion side of it. As we've discovered, our guys are amazing at building these things. Our designs are pretty unique um, and people really resonate with what we're doing. So um, focus on that side for now and then potentially bring rentals back in the future. But it is a fairly high risk business model um, and requires a lot of like 
upfront capital as well. Mm. And I mean, like, as we're talking about this, like, it seems complicated. It seems super risky. It seems like stressful. You're not paying yourselves right now. Like what, what keeps you going on it? Like, why do you keep doing it? Yeah, what the heck are we doing? Well, I'm sure there's a reason, like there's a reason that people pursue entrepreneurialism. There's, there's a reason people pursue not only entrepreneurialism, but things that like, that make them passionate and excited about what they do. Right. It's not, I mean, you guys didn't start, I was going to make a joke that you didn't start a financial company, but Pat, that's your past. And I know that. So I'm not going to make that joke, but it's not like you guys started, I don't know, a boring business. Like you started something really interesting. It's a lifestyle brand. Like where, um, what keeps you going through this like romantic idea of, you know, this company and, and adventure and like beautiful vans. And then like all these details that come into the equation, you know, the money, the business model changes, really these like hardcore details. We're in a, we're in a pandemic right now. Like what keeps you going? What, what keeps you connected to um, feeling fulfilled? I feel like we probably have different answers for this. Um, mine's a, a few different reasons. Um, I think the process is a lot of fun. Um, and Alex will talk about her side too, but um, and she had this, this burning desire to do something fun and creative outside of her day job. You're taking my Anyways, answer. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's, it's kind of similar. Um, and like you said, so before I was in finance and that's my undergrad, that's kind of my history. For me, this was about as 180 as you could possibly go. The reason why for me, we still keep going is because I'm not doing it for money at all. I'm not doing it for status at all. I'm not doing it for any reason to impress anybody else, which was a, a bit of the case when it was in finance, because that I think kind of goes with the territory a little bit. Mm. And I think once I started realizing that um, a couple of years into it, I started to get a bit of a sour taste in my mouth about what we were doing. Um, and it's a great company. It exists today still, and, and uh, they do good work, but it's it wasn't for me. Like it just, I kind of, became dissatisfied with uh, chasing um, other companies and chasing um, income, chasing status. And um, yeah, it just, it just got old really quickly for me. Um, so I realized I need something a little bit different to satisfy myself. So yeah, we thought about this kind of an, another natural progression, but um, this kind of fulfilled that in, in many ways. And I think it still does, which is why I still keep going and, and keep driving. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like naturally we're both kind of people who, like to run towards a challenge. And I think this business model has been the ultimate challenge. Like we've both had businesses in the past and this one has been so much more of like a windy, uncertain path. Um, we've been more financially invested in this company than we have in anything in the past. We've been more like emotionally and just like everything has consumed like the greater part of our lives for sure for the past two years. So yeah, I I don't know. I think for myself, what keeps me going is I just, I really enjoy the process as Pat was saying, like, I really love making those sort of strategic decisions. I'm not involved in like the day-to-day -day operations of Yama, but I love coming in and help like figuring out how we're going to drive this brand forward. What does this look like in a couple of years? You know, how can we create purpose? Um, what does that look like? It's just stuff like that. And I think prior to having Yama, I was working with entrepreneurs, as I mentioned before, and I kind of had a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like I was like missing, I'm like, how can I be like advising these entrepreneurs and talking about the struggle and helping them along their journey when I don't have my own business that I'm working on actively. Um, and so I was really feeling like a lack of 
like I didn't have an outlet for my creative mindset, my strategic mindset. Um, and so when we decided to pursue this, it was like that sort of void, if you will, or that sort of piece that I was missing felt like it kind of all came together. And so even though sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, at the end of my eight hour day at work, the last thing I want to do is like sit down and talk about like fans or like electrical systems or like whatever it is. Right. Um, Sweet. <laughs> it's still, it's still like, I wouldn't change it for anything. So we're still like really, really invested. I think from an emotional standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Two things that popped out to me, like when you were just, when you were speaking, Alex, I did this like retreat last year. I thought it was like a professional development thing. And then I got there and it was like super therapy. <laughs> I'm down with that. Yeah, like, I would love to go on a retreat. <laughs> it was actually, it was bomb. Like, it was really cool. But one of the things that they talked about was um, depletion versus creation. So, like, how you deplete yourself. And it was things like what you consume. So, mm -hmm. you consume a lot of people, myself included. I watch TV to blank out. My mind, like, goes pretty quick. I feel like you guys, we've had conversations before. You guys are the same way. It's like you're going, going, going. I'll watch TV just to Blank sure. out. And um, it was talking about how that's a method of a consumption. So you're consuming people's baggage all day. You're consuming for, for you, Alex, like, you know, working on people's businesses, like it's depletion. You're constantly consuming people's shit, people's needs, people's, and then to deal with it, you're consuming like television or reading or whatever it is. And so it talked about um, this balance between depletion and creation. And creation was like the things that are creative and how they make you feel full and how a lot of people will say like, I don't have energy to go do a puzzle or like, I could never do like a whatever, an art project, or I might never be able to start a business from a creative lens alone. Um, but really it creates balance, which I thought was legit. Oh yeah, I totally agree. And I think having your own business is such a creative process and I didn't really view it that way previously like I used to always I like to like do art I like to read I like to consume sort of more of those like typical things that you would consider creative mm -hmm. and I haven't like, felt the need to do that as much since we've started Yama because I think a lot of what we do is sit and are very creative in the process itself like talking about what strategies we're going to take or just like different things like that so I totally totally feel that and especially like on the weekends I'd say is typically when we get most of our work done from that perspective and I like really look forward to those days because it's super hard at the end of the workday to get anything like really creative done and then when you like have Saturday and Sunday where you're like okay hey, I'm rejuvenated I'm ready to like dive into this um that's when we probably get our best work done I think yeah, yeah I thought it was interesting because it was sort of talking about like like I don't know about you guys but when you're going all the time then when you're when you're like refilling your cup people think like oh sit still like self-care like I'm like I can't sit still like that's exhausting like that's I mean I'm putting all this mental energy into like trying to just fucking chill and I can't so I liked I liked this concept because it's kind of like for you it's while it's serving you from like a performance perspective you know you're able to like keep going with your business, keep pushing your business. It's not further depleting you. And it probably gets like, allows you to do, you know, perform even greater in the other side of your work, which is your day job, right? Totally. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I think before when we weren't working on Yama and I was just working my nine to five job, like I think it was more exhausting and more depleting mm -hmm. that I didn't have another project. Like, I think I just sat there and was like, 
I don't know, just feeling unfulfilled. So like, I would just be like constantly being like, Oh, I need to work on something. I need a goal. I need to like try something. I need to figure something out. Like, and I think like just sitting there and like feeling like I wasn't progressing was harder on me than, than now working however many hours I work a week. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't find, like, I think people get concerned. They're like, Oh, like you're going to burn out. You do too much. And, um, I don't know if that's the case. Like, I think like you're saying the creative side of this, the fun part of it, like I don't find it depleting at all. And I actually think it like re-energizes me. And and like you said, it plays into my work and, and makes me more motivated employee as well. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then Kate, okay, Pat, the one you were speaking, I like fully resonate with this because I feel like ego is a huge part of, for, for me, I'll just project onto you guys. Like ego plays a big role in what motivates some people. And, um, not in a bad way, like not in like ego is bad, more just like ego is there and it, it pushes people, um, to achieve certain things in their lives. And then, um, sometimes like from my perspective, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but like when I've hit milestones in my life, I've expected to have this like overly like wonderful feeling of like, Oh, I did it. Like I hit the top of the mountain. Like I achieved the thing. And then usually it doesn't happen. Like, I'm just like, cool. Next. Like, yeah, I feel like you could drive yourself crazy chasing different milestones and things in life. So I totally how, how have you changed that approach with Yama? I I still have that sense of ego. Like I'm not like some enlightened, you Buddha, know, Buddhist. Yeah, like I'm not yeah, like at all. Like I'm I'm still I'm incredibly competitive. Um so there still is a lot of ego at play, like in terms of our like competitors in the market who do what we do across the US and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, like I get quite obsessive with um, how to pull the best parts of different things. And this is kind of a theme in my life from when I was young, but pull the best parts of different things or people or companies and kind of try and recreate them in our own. Um, so in that sense, I am still trying to hit a similar, well, I'm trying to hit a certain status point or respect point with our company because we are new and we're young. Um, but we do believe in what we're doing and our team is incredible. And so um, match or outdo others in our industry. Um, so I think that it still lives there. It's just, I think it's more of a game I find and more, a little more mm-hmm. fun than trying to do what I was doing in finance, which was almost try and gain respect from the greater world by just hitting certain milestones and being able to have a certain title on my business card or, or you know, letters after my name. Um, that was a different different kind of, I think, motivation than what we're currently doing now. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like a fun game where we're trying to compete and be agile and move and, and change things. And that is really addicting and really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. This kind of like, um, did you guys watch the last dance yet on Netflix? Michael Jordan? Oh, of course. He's obsessed with it. <laughs> it's his favorite show. Yeah. I, uh, I spent a little too much time in the sun last weekend and I came in like headache and just wanted a veg and I watched like five episodes back to back and then my husband Adrian came in and was like hey I wanted to watch that like what what episode are you on and I was like five (laughs) he's like it's not like five hours of tv I was like no I'm not that unproductive anyway what I thought was really interesting about that and sort of like what you're talking about is that like his perspective there's a difference between competitiveness and ego in sport and in business but the two align, like a lot of successful athletes become successful business people. 
I don't feel like it's really vice versa at all. Like, I don't feel like if you're just a super successful business person, like you can be an athlete. Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe in certain situations, probably <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> totally, but it, it kind of is like, I think there is such a difference there. So I feel like I, I hear what you're saying in terms of the fun competitiveness, like the athlete competitiveness, like that can contribute to a business versus like the obsessive, like status competitiveness isn't really the same as athleticism or sport. It's very business driven, but it also kind of creates that. What's the opposite of fulfillment, exhaustion or burnout or. But you totally nailed that. Mm -hmm. It it is more like Mm -hmm. a sport mindset than trying to earn someone or like outperform someone financially. Like I think that's a very different perspective but I think you totally nailed it it's more yeah. of like a sport yeah it's, it's like a good metaphor and it, it's like um I feel like it's something that at the end of the day like the competitors in our area like in our industry we know each other and we know that we're all competing kind of without saying it yeah at the end of the day it's like you'd shake their hands and you know go for a beer with them like there is that kind of conduct I think that would occur um where it is a friendly sport it is a friendly game and and we know we're competing but it's all, it's all part of the fun. Mm-hmm. And I think like in athleticism, like if you look at really great athletes, like they're great because they focus on their craft, right? Like they work on perfecting their skill and it's not about ego. It's not about like who has the nicest car or, or whatever. Like maybe that comes into play, but like they're, they're great because they focus on their craft. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of to play in business as well. Right. And this is like where I, I want to talk about parallels a little bit. You guys have a 2000 tree initiative. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I think for us, it was really important um, to give back to like our world and mother earth while we created this business. Um, that's always been super, super near and dear to my heart. And when we started this van company, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like we can get people outside. We can get them exploring, spending more time doing what they love. Like this is amazing. But also I do recognize that there is like some inherent, you know, (laughs) depletion to mother nature that goes along with that business model. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's just the beginning of where we'd like to go as far as purpose goes um, with giving back to to the earth and to being sustainable and all of that. And so 2000 trees was kind of like where we could start where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that a lot because I, I do recognize that like, I don't want to have a business where all we do is like take and take from this resource without giving back. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. I wonder like, have you guys heard of like the indigenous uh, medicine wheel? No. I don't know. I Okay, so it's like, I thought it was, okay, oddly, I heard about this from my therapist, like from my psychologist. She was like, we were talking about, I get anxiety, so I was talking about like trying to be preemptive on my anxiety and like trying to figure out where it comes from. And she was saying how like a way to do that is to, was the example that she used was the indigenous medicine wheel, um, which looks at emotional, mental, physical, and emotional health. I just thought it was a health thing, you know? And then I went to, um, in, in my professional work, I've been doing um, some more work to try and address slash acknowledge truth and reconciliation. One of the things that they ended up talking about was the medicine wheel in sport and how it's actually a goal setting. The reason, the connection, what I love about uh, the indigenous mindset is that it, it is all about balance as it relates to mother earth as well. And so when you're talking about, I don't want to just take, 
I want to give as well. I think what's really interesting about what you guys are doing is most social purpose is done around let's just acknowledge what we are giving mm -hmm. as a means of let's just put the focus on what we're doing. That way we don't have to address what we're taking. Like a, like a distraction mm -hmm. in, a, in a sense, right? But yeah. yeah. And I don't, and that's just marketing, right? Like that's just like, it's not purpose, right? It's just marketing. And so I don't know, like, I think, I think for us, it's really important to be transparent and like, obviously these vans create emissions. And so why not just like call it out and say like, we recognize that we're taking from this earth. So like, how can we give back? How can we still enjoy this like cool thing that we're doing without having to feel like the reason we've created this business is so that we can explore this, like this beautiful earth that we have. Right. So mm -hmm. it's really important to call that out and, and just acknowledge it. Right. I also just think that, and this is very much your wheelhouse, Rebecca, but I think that in 2020 and for the past number of years, like it's just increasingly important, I think, to have a business that is more than just a business. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, we really connect with that idea. So for us, it's um, just starting a business like, say, uh, selling clothes just for the sake of making some money and selling some clothes. It just it seems incomplete, mm -hmm. at least. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, it was kind of just automatic natural we're like talked about this this model we're going to build and immediately one of the conversation pieces was okay well what else are we going to do beyond just rent vans or build vans mm -hmm. what else can you do with this it's just a really good springboard i think to be able to do a lot more than just sell widgets mm -hmm. and so um, mm. man that's really cool i feel like it's even just through this whole conversation we've talked a lot about what's led you guys to where you are but also like the balance that it's created for you right like alex creativity pat ego um, success, what's allowed you to maintain that balance, um, 2000 trees and sort of how it's allowed you to also acknowledge the hard side of the business, right? Like the side that, that doesn't align maybe, but also by acknowledging it, you're creating that balance for your business, for yourselves. I think that's really cool. When did you guys start 2000 trees? Right off the bat, was it? Yeah. 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 2000 trees is kind of like our 2020 title for it, but yeah, we started out the tree planting mm -hmm. to line up with the usage of our rentals since day one. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so we calculated as best we could the emissions that the vans would cause in driving down the road. And we figured out that one tree would offset 100 kilometers of travel in one of our vans. Um, and so we started planting one tree for every kilometer that was traveled in our vans. Yeah. Or sorry, 100 kilometers that was traveled in our vans. So, um, yeah, and it kind of started right off the bat because we were like, we want we want to give back and we want to make sure that we are doing our part. What does it do for you guys? And this is mostly just from my corporate purpose work. I found very early on, I had this cool lady, her name is Mariko Kubota. Um, she used to be the director of community investment for MEC, for Mountain Equipment Co-op. She's just like, I've always really respected people who have like this really calm demeanor. I think it's because I have like zero inkling of that at all. I'm like, I talk with my hands a lot and I'm just really enthusiastic. So I think I respect that in other people. And she's like that. What she told me really early on was that corporate purpose has a lot to do about with the emotions of the people that are running the company, whether that's like an executive committee or a, like the entrepreneurs and founders, whether it's a foundation board, it has a lot to do with emotional conviction and sort of, or how they feel like they're making a difference and what they're passionate about. What makes you feel like you're making a difference and why? And Alex, I feel like for you, I mean, you're vegetarian. 
Mm-hmm. Like you have convictions around the earth as a whole. Like what's, what is that for you? That's a good question. And honestly, like this isn't the most eloquent answer, but I feel like it's stems from like my own personal guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have guilt around, around creating a van company. I'm like, Oh, like this is, this is depleting nature. Like this is, you know, we are putting emissions out there that don't need to necessarily be out there. So we're always looking at like, how can we change our model so that we're doing less of that and becoming more sustainable? And what products are we looking at so that we are more sustainable? Like how can we run this business in the most sustainable way we can? Um, But I do really feel like it kind of stemmed from guilt. Like I was like, you know, as a person, I want to be sustainable and, um, decrease like my footprint and so in creating this business like how can we do that and and alleviate some of that guilt right um, which isn't like a nice thing to say but it's true right and I think that's just the real answer is like I don't want to create something that's going to um, deplete our earth and I don't I don't want like I'm not going to feel good about that inside so um, how can we create this business in a way that's going to make us feel good right yeah that's fair mm. I mean, what you're also talking about is a strong corporate purpose model where it feeds into your supply chain, your products, what you're doing, and then the values that you guys have in the company. So like, I mean, check, 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 guys. Like, well, I think, and on that note too, about feeling guilty, I think it can be reframed too of it just feeling like you need to be at a certain level of excellence and that's mm-hmm. just what you expect from yourself. That's your standard. So mm-hmm. guilt is almost like, can be reframed as your motivation to fill in the gaps. Like it's yeah. just, just, just phrase it, but I think it's more yeah. positive. Than and, that. and it is an outlet to make, I'd say more impact than I can as like an individual, right? Totally. Like I'm not like some super baller person who's philanthropic and like give back in all these crazy ways. Like I hope maybe one day I can do that, but using the company gives like us a bigger opportunity to give back in bigger ways. Right. So yeah, I think it's it's helped me create more of an impact than I could as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my theory on like, on even like the whole baller philanthropist, <laughs> it's funny because I always make funny, fun of people when they can't say philanthropist or philanthropy, like not make fun of them, but just like nobody can say it when you first try. And I feel like I just went back like a year, sorry, philanthropist <laughs> is that, um, and this is just a theory because I mean, I've worked with philanthropists from a fundraising perspective, when I did not-for-profit stuff, my theory is there was a certain amount of privilege, I don't know, like achievement of business goals that didn't contain purpose, often to get them to the point where they have the ability to give back. I think the difference is nowadays where in our current, you know, day and age because of some of some big companies who've done some cool things and founders, frankly, like you guys, is that they're doing that right off the bat. So they didn't have to like go ahead and do a bunch of stuff that is sometimes like depleting to the earth, depleting to people. We're, I think we're changed now where we're sort of saying like, we don't want to do that at all. And we're not going to do that in order to get to a certain amount of wealth where we then have to go back and rectify it. And that's where a lot of corporate purpose and, and community investment comes from is big companies who are causing damage and then, you know, are, are trying to fix it. But Pat, I didn't ask you, so what, why is it important to you? And how does it play a role when you, when you sort of bring it, when you connect it to that sport competitive thing that we were talking about? Yeah, I think for me, I understand the guilt piece is a little bit of that, but I think it's just this innate desire to do everything at a level of excellence that I would expect from myself or from anything that we do. 
mm-hmm. uh, which I think ties into sport quite well. But um, yeah, I think if, if we're going to do anything in my mind, and I know you agree that you might as well do it as best as you possibly can and with all that you can. And so um, I wouldn't want to start any company or anything that I do um, and not try and hit a certain standard of excellence that we hold ourselves to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that standard includes things like being a whole company, which involves giving mm-hmm. back in the best that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a level of excellence that I expect from myself. Mm. Guys, I'm just, I'm so excited for everything that you guys are creating and doing. And I think above all, like, thank you for spending your Saturday morning with me. I think I changed positions on this bed like 12 times at the very least, just to remain comfortable. My coffee is cold and depleted. You guys is is probably as well. So um, thank you for your time. And um, I can't wait to come up to Calgary soon and uh, and hang out for a visit when COVID's over. Come soon. We'll meet in the mountains. We'll meet halfway. We can go for a hike. Deal. I'm down. Well, yeah. thank you so much thank for having us. Having it was us. really fun. It's always a yeah. pleasure to have you.